Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. I've got some new episodes for the 100 Mass Men series where I anonymously interview men from all walks of life about how gender norms contribute to our values of self-worth and self-identity. As we approached the first quarter of men in the series, I noticed a lot of guys responded to my question about negative ideas their female friends had about themselves that are usually associated with their physical appearance and how that could diminish their self-confidence. So I had to interview a male makeup artist to get the scoop behind the scenes. Mass man number 21 is the beauty queen. He shares his perspective on the beauty industry that ugly isn't a look, it's an attitude and the surprisingly positive effect Instagram influencers have had on individuality and celebrating diverse body types. I think the biggest thing to hear is that he never really gets a confident woman sitting in his chair. And in contrast, men are way more confident about their looks than they should be. I guess if looks were a form of currency, the value is way higher for women than it is for men. Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show. My parents are immigrants. They both came from Jamaica in the 1970s. And um, I had an older brother and we had a very kind of typical suburban upbringing. And uh, I guess because of that, you know, the suburban life isn't the most glamorous (laughs) life. My parents had to work very hard. My dad worked at a factory and then eventually became an accountant. And my mother uh, worked in the bank and it was very much about putting food on the table and working long hours and things were kind of dull. My mother um, was a very beautiful woman and loved getting dressed up. I think I I would watch her do her makeup. I was kind of fascinated by it, the transformation, I guess. And I always had that artistic inkling. I always had that wanting to draw, wanting to be around visual things. I think I was also influenced by the media at the time. Like in the 80s, makeup was like huge. (laughs) Everyone wore it and everyone wore lots of it. So I think that was all creeping into my subconscious at the time. I was creative and I was artistic and I was sensitive. And you weren't really allowed to be those things as a a man Mm -hmm. at that time. In your household, were you encouraged to pursue things that you liked? Or was there an expectation for you to be more of a masculine type? My parents, for the most part, were pretty good about me doing whatever I I wanted to do. They always kind of just told me to do whatever makes me happy. But I do remember there came a point where my dad was kind of concerned. I think he knew that I was going to get bullied. And he said, you know, if you don't pick up a sport of some kind, you know, they're going to call you a sissy. Like, it's not going to be good. So at that point... I think I tried track (laughs) for a little bit, but I think just to make him happy, but like, I I never told him this, but the bullying had already started. The name calling had already started and they call you worse than a sissy, but I never told that to him because I guess I didn't want him to see me that way. How old were you when you said that? Um, I think in the eighth grade, if I remember correctly, around that time, because that's when I got into track and I wasn't that bad at it actually. That's insane how much you will do something just for your parents' satisfaction. You know, like it wasn't really anything about you. And I mean, obviously it sounds like he was more concerned about your safety, you know, in terms of the fact that you'd be bullied, right? Yeah, I think I think even, you know, I'm in my 40s now and there's something about wanting your parents to be proud of you. You know, I'm glad I never got pressured to be like a lawyer or a doctor because I know a lot of people who went especially of immigrant parents, 
who went down that road to make their parents happy and are miserable because they never lived their their dream. Yeah, totally. From you as a child seeing your mom putting on makeup and in the 80s, the idea of beauty was very different. You know, it was kind of the glitz and the glamour and you spend a lot of time, you know, in front of the mirror kind of getting ready to go out. How is that different to beauty that you do, you see now today in the pop culture and media? It's funny because I feel right now with this like almost two types of makeup. Okay. (laughs) Does you have the kind of Kardashian Hollywood glam? And although it's not as bright and as colorful as 80s makeup, it's just as much product. It's like, it's a lot of stuff on your face to kind of create this kind of look. But I would say on the other side of it, there are women who just kind of want to look nice and natural and get to work on time. And like, you know, they want to look cute, but they don't want to look like someone that they're not. They don't want to, they don't want their makeup to be distracting. They just want to look fresh and put together. I tend to like the latter personally, but it's about how you want to express yourself. And I think that's something different about today is like, there's more room for individuality. In the 80s, like you had to do that or you didn't look right. (laughs) Yeah, I remember it's just like, it was just blue eyeshadow and that's, you got to wear that even if it doesn't look good on you. You just, you did it. It was part of the look. (laughs) Magenta lipstick or red, blue (laughs) eyeshadow, maybe purple if you're lucky. And you tease that hair, you tease it as big as possible. Well, I felt bad for anyone who had flat hair at that time because <laughs> I guess you just went and got a perm. You had to. It was the 80s. It definitely wasn't as accessible to kind of be your own person and celebrate your own beauty back then as it is today. I've, I've been noticing recently this kind of like trend for naked beauty or just like it looks totally natural, but it's like permanent makeup. You know, so it just looks like you wake up like this, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. And then there's like microblading where people do their brows so that they don't have to like really fill them in. And lash extensions, which you can wear those for like weeks on end. And they're just kind of like you have these lashes all the time. And I think people are spending more on skincare as well. So you don't really need to put on as much foundation because you're taking care of the skin underneath more. What do you think of like that... I mean, there's like a meme that goes around that kind of says like, no one's ugly. There's just poor people, you know? And if if you're rich, then you can spend all the money on changing your face permanently. And then you won't have to, you know, hide under the makeup. Have you heard that? Yeah, I have. (laughs) (laughs) And there's something to be said. Yeah, you you can go out and you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars and get your face modified into whatever the trendy face is right now but it also is kind of a it's a joke that has a darker undertone to it and that it says that your natural face is ugly and that you know you have to look a certain way you have to have that like angelina jolie proportions to your face to be beautiful and i see it a little bit in um in countries like korea where there's like one kind of face and everyone's just like it's like cookie cutter (laughs) And I think what's nice is that we all look a little different, right? Like a little bit of that crooked nose or a little bit of, you know, too small a lip or, you know, like those are the things that make you like 
you, I think. It's kind of nice. I don't know. I don't think anyone's really ugly. Mm-hmm. I think ugly is like an attitude. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> ugly can inside, you know what I mean? Like it's your, your outside is you, you can, you know, if you got good energy, a good heart, you know, you can be really beautiful. <laughs> Being in this industry, you know, I work with a lot of models and I work with a lot of people who are quote unquote, the most like beautiful people in the world, but they get, they can get really ugly really fast. You know, if, they, if they don't have, if they're not nice people. You know, I think that's crazy. Cause I, I think a lot of people have this um, misconception that pretty people have it easier, that they're the pretty privilege mm-hmm. idea. What has your experience been with models that, or, you know, just in that industry where appearance is everything, it's like their job, like how do they interact and what are their expectations compared to normal people that don't have appearances as their main job description? Hmm. I think it's a lot of pressure on them. Because when your looks are, it's not only how the world sees you, it's also how you make a living. I think it can really mess with your mind, you know, like it can really, especially for women, there's already so much pressure before you're forced to be in front of a camera. I shouldn't say forced because you choose to be a model. Mm -hmm. But before, you know, taking that on as an occupation, you already have these like voices in your head telling you that you're not this and you're not that. And then when you have an art director telling you you're not this and you're not that, it's pretty rare that I meet a woman who feels confident, no matter how beautiful they are. Some of them are kind of oblivious to the fact that beauty does have power to it. And I remember, I'll, t- I'll tell you a really quick story. Um, There's this model that I was working on, and she's like a Victoria's Secret model, classic pretty girl from Hawaii, but she's blonde and she's blue eyed and she's, she's that girl, you know? And she said, I love New York city. And I'm like, Oh, I really like it too. And she's like, New York, everything is free. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, Oh, well you go to the restaurant and they'll let you eat for free because they want you to be there. And the taxis don't even charge you. And you go into the club and everyone buys you drinks. And I was like, I won't say her name, but I'm like, that's not normal. <laughs> that's that's because you look like you. If you yeah. look like me or like regular people, <laughs> nothing is free in New York. It's a way more. <laughs> She'd been a model since she was probably, I think she said 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And by the time I met her, she was 21. And she had kind of grown up in a, lived in this vacuum mm-hmm. of um, pretty privilege, if you want to call it where people see her and they're so into her look that they're willing to give her things. And also her, her looks also gave her a $7,000 a day day rate for the job that I was working on, which I did not get $7,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. That, you know? That's crazy that she, she literally thought that that was how life happened for everybody just because it happened to her. Yeah, yeah, she thought, you know, People are just super nice in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's scary to like grow up at such a young age with that assumption. It kind of, um, it can set you up for some rude awakenings because that type of beauty that like, you know, that, that beauty that we think of, that beauty that we see in magazines has an expiration date. One day she'll be 80 years old and she'll go to New York and nothing will be free anymore. But, you know, she made her $7,000 a day, so maybe she can afford to pay for it. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my God. So it's funny how you say that you rarely meet women that feel confident. What, what kind of insecurities do you feel or what are the main insecurities that you get from working with women? It's funny because, uh, yeah, I don't find women ever question their talent so much as they question their looks, which is a shame hmm. because they're so highly criticized for their looks. So, you know, even um, the most beautiful actresses, you know, they will say, oh, I'm, I think my thighs are too big or my nose is too big or my eyes are too small or they always feel like there's something that needs approving upon on, the, on their physical appearance. I don't get that from male models as much. <laughs> male models tend to think that they look great and they, if anything, they just have a fear of losing it, but they think that they look great as they are in this moment. Why do you um, think, why do you think it's like that? Now, I did hear that testosterone does give confidence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, I don't think men, I think for some reason, men tend to think that they look better than they actually do. And I don't know. I think there's less pressure from society for sure. Mm. You don't, although things are changing now, you know, young guys are on TikTok and seeing you know, these really buff teenagers, which I'm like, I did not look like that when I was a teenager. <laughs> so there's more pressure now, but I guess back then they, you just didn't have as many images kind of messing with your self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And I think for men, there's less value in looks. There's more value in power. Like be a great athlete and you'll have whatever you want. But for women, it's like be beautiful and you'll have whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, I was growing up with only one thing, I had to be pretty. Like it didn't matter about anything else. And if it wasn't pretty, then there was no point to life, you know? Whereas my brother was brought up to be smart, you know, to be powerful, to be successful. And it would, you know, money would be able to buy you whatever you wanted. So it didn't matter what you look like if you had power and money and success and all those things. And I think like there's so many more roots for, for men to, cling on to, right? They can be like, well, I'm the smart one or I'm the rich one or I'm the, you know, whatever. Whereas all women, I feel like, you know, still have to follow the status quo of what beauty is supposed to look like. I 100% agree with you because yeah, the power dynamics are very different. Power opens doors for men and looks open doors for women. You can be from a, a trailer park and if you're pretty enough as a woman, you can marry a billionaire if that's what you want. I mean, I remember when I was, would talk about just entrepreneurial plans that I would have. And if I'm talking to a particularly insecure man, he would be like, well, that's not fair. You're just pretty. And mm. kind of, I kind of just like say that that's the only reason why I reached the success I got. And, you know, it's funny that, that people would result, would kind of judge that way when it's like, well, being a woman, you can't be in the boardroom as quickly as a man, you know, like you don't get that same access, you don't get paid the same way. So how come we're not, how come women aren't celebrated for being more successful in a business standpoint? And how come men aren't being more celebrated on a beauty standpoint? Because isn't that like the opposite of the status quo that like, it should be more valuable? You know what I mean? You would think, right? Like mm -hmm. it's harder for, yeah, exactly what you said. It's harder for women to to get ahead but you know we don't I couldn't tell you who the top female scientists are or even who the top female athletes are like but I can tell you who the top 
female models are. I know who Bella Hadid and Kendall Jenner are. And I don't think it's just because I work in the industry, but I know who Bill Gates is. I know who Elon Musk is. I know who Steve Jobs it was. You know, like it's, it's kind of weird how, what we know about people and how gender is so attached to it, you know? What other kind of toxic traits have you experienced working in the beauty space? Like, have there been like weird obsessions or addictions that you've encountered in your journey? Uh, the fashion industry is changing. Thank goodness. I see models of different sizes now. I see more models of different colors. I see models with different skin conditions from like alopecia being hairless to vitiligo where your skin is two different or even three different pigmentations. But there was a time where, you know, a model could be almost six foot and her hip had to be 34 inches if she wanted to work. Yeah. You know, we're talking young girls doing what they have to do, healthy or unhealthy, in order to achieve that body type. I'd like to say it was something that rarely happened in the fashion industry, but I saw it with musicians. I saw it with actresses. I saw it with ballerinas. Um, this obsession with size, a, a specific size. And I, felt, I think as a, a sensitive person, as a makeup artist, I could kind of turn my uh, blind eye to it and say, well, I'm just about doing the face. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what size your butt is, it doesn't matter to me. I'm making your face look pretty. But it was kind of gross. It was gross to see. And I, I had a problem with it. And I'm happy that the industry is starting to change. I, I worked in the beauty space, but I, I worked um, at multiple women's magazines as a beauty writer. And mm -hmm. the fashion department was just always miserable because they were just always starving themselves, you know, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're just yeah. walking around with their racks. They're all dressed in black and they're just like so miserable. And the beauty department is just like always colorful. We're like off to brunch. We're getting like a makeover this, getting our nails done that. Like it was just always fun on that side because it's kind of like self-care in that sense. But yeah, I, I can definitely see that, you know, darker side of the fashion space. And like, there was no availability for anyone to be themselves. Like they had to fit in that mold or you're out, you know, and that's, that's very isolating and scary for a lot of young, young people and what they aspire to be. So, so impressionable at that age. And yeah. a lot of the these girls think, you know, if I can get skinny enough, I will be the next Kate Moss. Not realizing that there will only ever be one Kate Moss. Like you can only, you know, that's a, such a rare occurrence that if you're not having fun and if you're being, a, like, it's not worth it if you're not having fun. Being a model is, is a lottery. You never know if you'll make it. It has nothing to do with you, ultimately. It's how the world perceives you. I do like, there's a double-edged sword to like what's happening now with the influencers, but I think it's been healthy in the industry because it takes the camera out of the, the photographer's hand and into the hands of the model. And she can say, I'm a bigger girl. I love my curves. I'm gonna do, become an influencer. I'm gonna buy clothes, I'm gonna wear it. And I'm gonna celebrate my body type. And I think that has also helped open up the industry overall. I remember I was talking to this guy and I was sharing this woman's post and it was basically a post of her body just like hanging out the way that she wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And she just posted all of the negative um, comments all over the photo 
of like, you shouldn't be showing this or, you know, this is bad look on you or, you know, whatever. And he said, well, she asked for it by posting that photo. It wasn't a flattering photo. And it's like her in her underwear, just kind of like with her stomach hanging out. So she should wear a tent and never be, you know, like, I don't know. Like to me, that's, I don't understand the people who would go out of their way to say something negatively about someone else's body. That comes, that's, you have to be pretty dark and you have to be pretty unhappy, I think, to put that out into the world. You know, I think it's it's strange because I think, I'm not sure why men need to say that, like certain men that hide behind screens need to say stuff like that. But when I went to Taiwan a couple of years ago, I haven't been there like 20 years. I was born here and I visited like one time when I was eight years old and my cousin was getting married. So I went and she's, she was like late twenties and she had two younger brothers that were like early twenties. And we went out to a club and (laughs) we were looking at these girls on the other side. I was like, are you guys going to talk to them or whatever? And my cousin was like, well, no, she's kind of fat. And I don't know, I guess it's like a cultural thing. To, to, to say it just straight out like that well no she's just too fat I was just like okay mm. yeah insane <laughs> and I I feel like so much of that is societal because like throughout history like body sizes have fluctuated in terms of like you know what people consider attractive mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like these guys if no one else was watching and they were left alone with this, these, these girls that maybe they would, they would like them. They would actually find them like sexually attractive and make, like their personality and like the fact that they have more of a curvaceous figure. But I think it's almost like, uh, you know, they're looking for that um, trophy wife, right? So she has to fit the mold. It's gross. I don't know. I think there's someone for everyone. And I think you should just go with what you like, you know, don't don't care about what other people think. But that's coming from, you know, someone who was born in the 1970s, who is black and gay, where (laughs) I had to decide that I didn't care what anyone else thought of me. And I had to be attracted to who I'm attracted to, and hold my head high as a person who deserves to be here despite what other people may or may not think. And I don't know, maybe if people haven't been through that type of adversity before, they don't know how to like push beyond societal norms. Yeah, I think it's very interesting that there's like two types of people. There's the type that fights for their whole life to be authentic, to be themselves, you know, going against what society is asking you to be. And then the other type that is just like so desperate to fit it mm-hmm. right it's like you're you're in one bucket or the other bucket and unfortunately the mass is in that the other bucket of trying to fit in again yeah i guess it wasn't really a, an option a viable option for me yeah <laughs> so it forced me into category number two i do remember being like a little kid and you know i thought i was cute my family said i was cute and I, but i didn't i was black and all the other kids were white I remember this little girl vividly coming up to me and just looking at me and saying, you're ugly. Oh my God. And um, because she didn't get it. She didn't get how I wasn't ugly because I didn't, I wasn't like the blonde kid from the Cheerios commercial. So (laughs) her mind, you know what I mean? 
I've been told that I was like the cookie that was left in the oven too long, you know, like all of the like stupid things that kids say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pushed me into, you know, a different category. But I am in some ways grateful to it because I think it, it makes me more empathetic and it makes me think outside of the box a little bit. Yeah, you definitely need to be pushed to to kind of start thinking in a different way because, you know, the status quo isn't working for you anymore. So I am curious in terms of, you know, coming out as, you know, a Black gay man and being as authentic as possible. Is there still judgment in your community? Like, is is there um, an epitome of what a gay man is supposed to look like? Is there a lot of pressure to look a certain way? I would say that for gay men, they feel the same pressures that women feel often to look good in order to like attract a mate. Like, if you're an unattractive gay man, it's very hard to get the attention of other gay men. So going to the gym, you know, getting Botox, all of those things like are very important. Being white definitely helps in Canada. Okay. <laughs> um, the more you kind of fit into that typical kind of Ken doll cookie cutter look, the more opportunity you'll have. And in fact, you can be uneducated you could be not very nice. You could be you can be not very smart, but if you look handsome enough, you could probably get a rich guy. And then you don't really need to worry about those things. Marry yourself a nice doctor and like, you know, live a comfortable life, maybe like do some art. And <laughs> 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 it doesn't have to be good. So that's an that's a pressure that gay men feel. I feel bad. Um, there was a on the dating apps, there's a dating app called Grinder, and there was a trend on the dating app for people to write on their profile, no fats, no femmes, no blacks, no Asians. Wow. And, um, you know, I would open up my app and I would see that, like, profile, like, looking at me in the face. And thank goodness, you know, I was older when I started um, using dating apps and I could write that person off as an idiot and block them. But I think if you were, you know, a chubby 18 year old Asian guy, seeing that on, and not just on one profile, it was like, it was quite a popular thing for attractive guys to write on their profiles, like how low you would feel and how rejected you would feel. Why is it those four things? Like two, like one, one is like, um, a weight situation. The other one is like a characteristic, you know, femme and then, and then racial things. Like why, why was it those four topics? I think that for some reason, gay men want what they've seen on television or they want what they couldn't get in high school. (laughs) So they, you know, they want a McDreamy. They want a, the captain of the football team. They want what society has said is an attractive male. And um, flamboyant gay men have never been portrayed in the media as desirable. Asian men have never been portrayed in the media as desirable. Like you don't, you very rarely see Asian men portrayed in the media in North America. Mm -hmm. And um, black men, I feel like are either fetishized for like sexual anatomy or they are deemed um, less than quality human. 
like like low class, I would think. I think that's where that comes from. And uh, you know, those attitudes are still out there, but I hope that it's changing. Do you think that's like a particularly North American context, like the Kendall look, or do you think that's global all around? It's pretty global because I feel like even if you're in Korea, you want to have Caucasian kind of traits. You don't want to look typically Korean. You want to have a hint of like French or something to your look in order to like, and you still want the broad shoulders and you still want like some pec definition. You still want a six pack abs. Like the body type for sure is almost universal, but um, there's also movements against that, which I see like is something called the bear community, which is guys who are just like, they're bigger. They're more like, you know, they look more like a football player than they do like a soccer player. They've created a community within the gay community where their body types can be celebrated and they can still partners within each other, within the group. I think that's so interesting to like create new groups, you know. You're isolated from the original group, right? So you might as well make a new group. Ultimately, everyone's just looking for some love and acceptance. I think that's what beauty that's what this whole beauty thing is about. And so people, if you can't find it in the mainstream, you'll find it somewhere else. I've recently been doing a lot of camera work, which I normally never did before. And mm -hmm. there's just been a new focus on getting ethnic representation in media in general. Mm. And I feel like I'm like, I would call this like ethnic light, you know, like Bud Light, you know, where yeah. <laughs> I'm like acceptable because mm -hmm. I am ethnic, but I still am in their comfort zone with white people yes. in the sense that I have like lighter skin color, hair is, you know, ombre, it's kind of almost blonde, it's close to it. But, you know, then I have, you know, the exotic aspect of it, but I think also like recently just Asian women have been fetishized in an, in Absolutely. A, yeah, like in a positive way, but then in a like, you know, kind of gross way, but at least there's, there's power in it now. Whereas like, unfortunately, like Asian men don't get that same kind of sexual power. It's um, true. I think, yeah, Asian men haven't been celebrated yet. And I do see they're definitely a lot of Caucasian men who specifically seek out Asian women as their like their ultimate goal. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Like a trophy, and like I just feel like I mean I don't I I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted on whether or not I should take these new roles or not because I know I'm just satisfying these you know white people in their understanding of like, okay, well, we're supporting the movement. We're going to choose someone that's ethnic light, you know, in our comfort zone. I do see that things are like, they're definitely looking for ethnic people now. And I say, take advantage of this moment in order to like build whatever you need to build, because, you know, we so rarely are given an opportunity and I don't know how long it will last. The cynical part of me thinks like eventually people will forget, but it's nice to see whenever I turn on a television, which is rare, I see a whole bunch of black faces looking back at me mm. and that's um that's new and it's kind of exciting and i hope that it out of all of this that the world starts to realize that you can't look at an asian person and know who they are and what they're about everyone has their own personality mm. and if you look at a black family family or person or a black man like you don't know anything about him he might be a librarian 
he might be a serial killer, although that's usually a white guy thing, or he <laughs> might be <laughs> a mechanic. Like you don't, you don't know when you look at someone. And I hope that by having all of these different images and in the media, like I'm on television now too, and that's pretty new for me. And I know part of it is that I'm a black male. I hope also it's because I'm good at what I do and I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I do it, um, I'm actually pretty uh, an introvert. I don't really like being in front of the camera. It's why I like doing makeup. But um, I do the show because I know I never saw anyone like me growing up. And I can be that for somebody. That there's some kid, maybe in Brampton or Cambridge or one of the places I grew up in, wondering, you know, what they could be. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. It's like the circle of fashion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. I wanna I wanna wrap up with three questions for you. The first question is what toxic characteristics did you have about yourself that you have now learned from that you would like to do differently moving forward? Mm, I I had terribly low self-esteem growing up. I'd always call them like negative mantras. And I, I know a mantra is supposed to be a positive thing, but I would always be like, oh, like you're not tall enough. You're not muscular enough. You're too femme. You know, no one's going to love you. <laughs> really dark stuff you know what I mean yeah like you know like you know handsome guys don't go for middle class black boys you know like you I would think all of these things mm-hmm. and as I've gotten older I've decided that if I would never say that to someone else why would I say it to myself you know I'm not perfect and I do have moments where you know I you know, getting older and I look at my my forehead, I'm like, oh, there's that wrinkle coming in. Oh no. But it's like, it's okay. I, I you know, I learned to shake it off and say to myself, if I wouldn't say that to someone else, I would never judge anyone else that harshly. Why am I judging myself so harshly? Absolutely. And it's easier said than done. Like it's insane what kind of shit we say to ourselves. It can get gross. It's just part of human nature, but I think we can work on it, you know? I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to. I think I'm better. I think I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. I think like the first step is just knowing that you're doing it, right? Because before you, I, I used negative self-talk as like a power before, you know, I would use it to be like, yeah, I'm shit. I got to do better. You know, I use it as a, like you said, like a mantra or a motivator. And now I'm just like, I'm just deleting that. Like we don't need this as a, as a way up anymore. I, I'm a high achiever. And I think yeah, part of that was like, I'm going to prove them wrong. All of them. I don't know who them, those thems are. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> that little girl called me ugly when I was, when I was 12. I'm going to prove her wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the biggest artist in Canada. Like, oh Meanwhile, she's probably like messaging me on Facebook saying, congratulations, I always believed in you. <laughs> yeah, so ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, you're really like, but it did get me maybe further than in some ways in the beginning but now I want to do it from a positive place you know mm-hmm. I like I, I want to do well because I deserve to do well and because I work hard and because I'm a good person yeah definitely that's that's the healthier approach for sure um my second question for you is what negative ideas do your female friends have about themselves that you wish could change you know my closest female friends are the same age as me so we're you know in our early 40s and I want them 
I would love for them, first of all, to see themselves the way I see them because they've been such good friends to me and all I see is like a beautiful, kind person. And I want them to not worry so much about getting older, just embrace it. You know, we're here for not very long, actually. And so why spend that time worrying about wrinkles and whatever it is, you know, be happy that, be happy that you're here. Be happy that you're healthy. Be happy that you have two of everything that you're supposed to have two of and one of everything you're supposed to have one of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love yourself. Love yourself. And if you want to put on some makeup, put it on. And if you don't, that's okay too. Don't wear any. Just like, love yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's huge. You know, I think we were talking a lot about um, size, but like youth, you know, is a huge thing too on like staying young is, is a huge fear mm-hmm. for everybody. My last question to you is out of all the topics that we spoke about today, what resonated with you the most that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on further in another episode on the show? Hmm. I would love for a man to, to explain to me why they would only date a woman of a specific size. That story about your cousin because I don't fully understand the only thing, because there are guys who like bigger girls. I know that they do because the bigger girls that I know have told me stories of guys that they've been with who like them, but don't like them in public. And um, yeah, I want to know where that comes from. If they've ever thought a bigger girl is beautiful or if they're just, they just follow what the media tells them. Mm, yeah, interesting. I think it's, it's definitely they're following an expectation and like I think a lot of us don't even know what we're really attracted to and then when we do find it we kind of like keep it a secret no yeah but maybe like what's all the secrets about I don't know (laughs) like you like what you like I I don't know because you wouldn't go to like a restaurant and not order what you like I mean maybe but it's just kind of funny that is it like the ordering salad when you really want the greasy burger? Like, is that what, <laughs> is that what it's all about? <laughs> oh my God. Probably all, the, all of the like self-restriction, you know, cause like no one told you that you didn't have to get the salad, you know, but you yeah. just thought you thought you had to do that to, for some reason. So to, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I want to know. I want to know. Why they hold back. Okay. That's interesting. Well, thank you so much for this. It was, it was so nice chatting with you about this and I'm just hearing your story. So I appreciate that. I think it's super interesting that there's this trend to follow the status quo so badly that some of us are having secret relationships because what we're actually attracted to isn't widely accepted. Do you guys have any experience with this? Let me know. As always, make sure to subscribe, and if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chan on Instagram, and I'll see you next Wednesday with more episode of 100 Masked Men. Bye for now.